0: So it has started, so it has begun, the residue will linger, it'll stay, you'll take it home. You'll take it to your ministry. You'll take it to your church. This move of the Spirit that you have longed for in your heart, it's begun. Irregardless of what may be said, I'm telling you, the Lord says, that on my calendar, it's begun. Irregardless of what may be said, I'm telling you that on my calendar, freedom is here. Now advance, 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 advance. In the anointing that has come upon you, advance in the equipping that has come upon you. For you shall take hold of things that before this time would not move, and seemingly under your hand in the Spirit they will shatter and break. You will take hold of things that seem like there was no way around, but under your hand in the Spirit they will just cease to exist. It has begun. It has begun. And it's laid out before you. It's so clear to see. It's laid out before you. This is how it will be. It's laid out before you. Victory is here. It's laid out before you. So raise a loud cheer. The things that i promised. That's what I'm doing now. In this year where you have expected manifestations and transformation. It shall occur and it shall begin tonight. No more down looking. No more eyes on the ground. Head lifted up. You know the joyful sound. All you see around you is victory. Victory. Regardless of in the natural what you may be tempted to recognize and give your attention to. If you will give your attention to what I've said and what the Spirit is saying, you'll see something change and it will be the very thing that I promised you. It's coming your way. It's here. It has begun. I believe God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You can have your seat. We'll, uh, we'll receive the offering at the end of the service so you can prepare for that. God will give you inside information. And that inside information is for you to have so you can pull it up when there's a question and renew your mind with it, and you've got inside information. This is important, and I'll tell you why. We're going to minister tonight on on what the Lord told us. It's going to probably be an abbreviated version. But Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, you'll remember these verses, it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But then the very next verse says, but they are revealed unto us by his spirit. Is that right? Amen. And then it goes on in that same chapter, and it makes this statement. <laughs> Still a little rubber need. It makes this statement concerning the things of God. It says, but the natural man, one translation says, is not granted access. Because they are spiritually discerned. Very important. So when you are seeking God, pressing into the things of the spirit, God will bring you inside information. It is not necessarily for you to tell people. It's for you to renew your mind with it. I, I taught this morning, we've been teaching, teaching on Sunday mornings about uh, being skillful in the flow. And how that, <clears throat> I, was, I was standing in the church and a lady was talking to me and she made a statement about what some uh, source, news source or something had said. And then, but up right here in my spirit, I heard this What's the Spirit say? And the Lord said to me, you've always got to give more heed to what the Spirit is saying than what other sources are saying. This is important. Why? Because remember what the Lord said. And I'm not just reminding you because it's a word. What the Lord say about 2020? He said it was the year of expectation, manifestation, and transformation. And he went on and said, it is a year of the manifestation of your expectation. Is that right? And he said that in 2020, those who would stand for and on the word would see a manifestation of the word in their lives like they never have. Now that's inside information for an entire body. That's what I grab a hold of, and that's what I declare. But God will give you inside information personally. Is that right? That is to pull it up out of my spirit and renew my mind with it. Yeah, they said this, but this is what God said. Right? What God speaks to you personally is just as true as the Word. Because it's from God, right? So what has God said? God said to us, He said that the next six months, and He spoke this to us in May, He said the next six months, from May to November, He said from the next six months, He said that these months were a time that were precious to Him. Because of the largely spiritually ignorant men and women of God, or men and women, that were going to hear the Word of God and turn their lives to Him. We have inside information. Right? He said to us, hallelujah, that a youth movement is coming to our churches. And He said it'll be a movement prompted by the Spirit of God. And he said to prepare for it and teach on it and be ready for it. Is that right? Notice these words. Prepare, teach, and be ready. Hallelujah. The things that God promises, God intends to do, the people that he's promised them to have to be ready. I have to be prepared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Every season of your life, God's speaking in it. Ever what season it is. God's talking. God's trying to reveal things. The more sensitive I am to the Spirit, the more easy it is for Him to reveal it to me. The more quickly I grasp it, the more quickly I grab a hold of it. Amen. So notice this. In Acts chapter 2. Is this all right? Yes, sir. Because anything that God tells you is important to Him. If it's important for, enough for God to speak it to me, it's important enough for me to grab a hold of it. Amen. Because God does not frivolously use His words. He says over and over again in Scripture that the best way to be is to be a man of few words. He said, in a multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. God uses very few words. He's not wordy. He'll tell you something, and then you act on it. A youth movement is not a teenage movement. It it involves them. A youth movement is those that are young in the faith, those that are, are young in their body. But a youth movement is coming to our churches. He said, prepare for it, teach on it, and be ready for it. So Acts 2, 17, very familiar scripture. But notice this. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Are we in the last days? We are in the last days. It will come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit up on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. So there's an outpouring that's been occurring throughout the last days. The last days did not begin in a certain season that we've been alive. The last days began, they encompass the entire church age. From the day of Pentecost to the rapture of the church. Those are the last days. When the Holy Spirit descended on the the day of Pentecost, the last days began. The church age began. And throughout that church age, there has been an outpouring that's been occurring. And God first says, notice, that He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, all of mankind, every person. There is right now an outpouring going on throughout the whole world. It is estimated that right now in China, 25 to 30,000 people are born again every week. 100,000 people a month come to Jesus. There's an outpouring that's on. In Muslim nations, in Arab nations, people are having encounters with the person of Jesus Christ. In visions, in dreams, they're having actual physical encounters and getting born again in nations that they know if they give their lives to Jesus, if they become a Christian, it's either imprisonment or death or torture. They know the price, but the outpouring is too great for them to deny what's going on. Hallelujah. So he said he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Then he says, on your sons and your daughters. No distinction with regard to sex. It'll be on your sons and your daughters. Hallelujah. All flesh, sons and daughters. Is that right? Then he said, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I used to not mind that till I started dreaming a lot. We would tell the Lord a vision would be nice every now and then. But notice, no division with respect to age will exist. Now this is important. Because even though a youth movement is coming, it does not excuse the elders from their part in it. Brother Hagin made a statement one time, and people have misquoted Brother Hagin. Very much over the years. Brother Hagin, I've heard ministers make this statement. And they would make it like this. You know, Brother Hagin said that unless us old ministers taught these young ministers, there was a move of God coming they would miss. Brother Hagin never said that. Brother Hagin said this, that the Lord spoke to him. You've got to start having Holy Ghost meetings. Because there's a move of the Spirit that this generation of believers know nothing about. And if you don't teach them, it'll be lost on them. The elders know things that the young doesn't know. It doesn't make them superior. It doesn't make them better. It makes them more experienced and more versed in the things of God. But nonetheless, notice, he said that young and old men, young and old women... Amen. No division with respect to age will exist. Then he said, Peter said, our sons and our daughters will prophesy. That doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be prophets. When it says prophesy, it means to speak for God as his spokesman or his mouth. In this season that we're living in, our sons and and our daughters are going to speak for God as His spokesman or His mouth. Amen. How do we know that? Because Scripture says it's going to happen. It's coming. He told us to be ready because the babies are going to line up outside the door. And he said they're going to need knees to bounce them, diapers to change, bottles to feed. They're going to need to be rocked. They're going to need somebody, like I was talking about in discipleship class today. They're going to need somebody, help them move from being a convert to being a disciple. Amen? Then he said, in these last days, our young people will be speaking for God as His mouth. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. In this time, in this time. young people young will people speak for God will speak as, for his mouth. Mouth. as His mouth. It's coming. It's coming. And he said something else in that word. He said, prepare now. He said, don't despise the way they think. Don't despise the way they dress. Don't despise the music they listen to. He didn't say that none of those things would have to change. He said, don't despise it. Amen. Amen. Say out loud, "I I won't. Acts 21. Oh, glory to God. This is where we're going. This is where we're going as a fellowship. This is where we're going as churches. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I know something. I know that, you know, we took out one row in between each row. But I want you to look at the believers in church. I won't dumb you down. On March 18th, my pastor made a statement preaching in our church in Little Rock. The very first night that, 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 that all of this thing started. And he made a statement by the Spirit of God. And he said, pastors, you have to be careful. He said, because when all of this starts going away, when all of this virus stuff is done and the emergency's over, he said, if you're not careful, you'll dumb your people down. And he said, because here's what you'll do. You'll start start telling them and you'll start thinking, well, you know, it really didn't hurt us too much for people to watch online and to watch from home. And he said, you'll dumb your people down doing that. Now that's not a knock against anybody. I'm trying to explain to you. You can't allow yourself to be dumbed down into thinking that your participation in the church that God has called you to is unimportant or irrelevant. It is not. It is crucial to what God wants to do in your life and in the life of your family. I look around this church tonight and I see all of the young people. I see children. I see student age. I see young adults. I see people in their 20s, in their 30s, in their and I'm telling you that this is where God has called you to be His mouthpiece in the days we're living in. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Do you see this? Acts 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed, And came unto Caesarea. We entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. He almost made it. He should have been a pastor. (laughs) Which was one of the seven. And abode with him. And the same man had four daughters. Virgins. Which did prophesy. There's a lot of discussion about, about what this means. It, it can mean they were very young. They were, they were of an age not to be married. It could, it could mean that they had devoted their lives to the service of God. But ever what it means, I want you to see something. Philip's daughters were not necessarily prophecies, prophetesses. We're told that in the Greek, there's something here that's called an attributive participle. And it's there in order to emphasize the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. In other words, that attributive participle is here to give us evidence that this is part of the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Amen. Do you see this? They were four prophesying virgin daughters. The use of that same participle indicates this. They were regularly used by the Holy Spirit in the ministry of prophesying. In other words, Joel's prophecy was being fulfilled in the early church. The indication is that these daughters prophesied to the Apostle Paul. The man that had the greatest revelation the world has ever known. And they're in the house of Philip the Evangelist. And these four daughters, young or however the age they were, they're prophesying to the Apostle Paul. And notice, Paul had no problem with it. Not only did he not have a problem with a woman prophesying to him, he had no problem with a young woman prophesying to him. Why? Because it's a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. In the last day, I will pour out of my spirit, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Amen. You ready to be God's mouth? Y'all ready to be God's mouth? Jeremy, y'all ready to be God's mouth back there? Amen. 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 Because it's coming. Amen. It's upon us. Glory to you. If God says something and you're willing to just put it off, you won't experience it. Do you see this? Acts 16. Oh my God. Acts 16. The day of the orphaned heart in young men in the church is over. In this church, it's done. You will not have orphaned hearts anymore. I'm I'm telling you, you won't have it. I'm not going to let you have it. Amen. Stand up. Because you thought, you thought God just forgot about you. You that's what you thought. And you said, I don't even know about my pastor. I don't even know. I don't don't know what he thinks anymore. Here, put your arm in here. Put your arm in here. Put your arm in here. There's another one of them good suits. (laughs) My son in the faith. My son in the faith. My son in the faith. (laughs) And none of it matters. You walk in that anointing. (sighs) Mm. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a tie to go with it. Of course, I had to bring you the pants. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe God. I believe God. And, 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 and you don't worry about anything else. You just keep walking in that anointing and it'll straighten everything out. And what don't need to be in your life, he'll move it. And what needs to come, he'll bring it. Quit working so hard. Let it happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you ever find Act <laughs> sixteen? Hallelujah. Act sixteen. Oh glory. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Then came he, Paul, to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Now notice, he found a certain disciple there named Timothy. Uh, At this time, Timothy was probably around 16 years of age. And God gave Timothy at that young age a spiritual ministry in Lystra and Iconium, And his life and his ministry were a blessing there. Notice what it says. He was well reported of by the brethren that were reported in Lystra and Iconium. Timothy traveled with Paul for around 16 years. And until in his early 30s, he became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. In his early 30s. Only the largest church in the world at that time. Only the church that John the Beloved and Mary the Mother of Jesus attended. And a man around 33, 34 years of age is pastoring Jesus' mama. Isn't it interesting? That God didn't look to somebody that was up in age or season or well-versed in everything to pastor Jesus' mother. Are you with me? Hallelujah. What God is doing in our young people is bringing a revelation of the Word of God and who God is. And they're going to be prepared to be God's mouth. Now God could use Timothy at such an early age because he was a couple of things. Number one, he was submissive. Submissive. Because notice that in verse 3 it says, when Paul would have him to go with him, he took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. That's not conforming to what the Jews want. That's Christian hospitality. That's just saying we don't want to be a stumbling block to those that need to hear the gospel. Well, it was easy for Paul to say, come on, let's do this, but Timothy had to submit to it. Amen. If, if, as, if as a younger man or woman, I'm not willing to submit To those that are over me in leadership, there's something I can miss. Number two, he was teachable. So I have to be submissive and I have to be teachable. Now that goes for all believers. But understand something. that, that, That the toughest time in a person's life can be in that season when I so want people to realize that I know more than you think I know. Right? I mean, I know I'm this age, but I know more than you think I know. But I have to remain teachable because in order to share my knowledge, I have to keep receiving knowledge. Hallelujah. And you have many in churches that want to teach and they want to preach, but they don't want to consistently receive from the person that God has placed over them or in charge of them or in authority over them or in that place of pastor or teacher or leader. And what happens is then they fail to be used by God in the way that they could have been. Hallelujah. Are you with me? What you need to hear is what I'm saying. Everything else is a supplement. That's a good place to say amen. Now if Steve was here, he'd say that's my favorite preacher. But now listen to me. And I'm going to say this because you need to hear this. You don't judge what your pastor says, by what the TV preacher says. You run everything that you hear outside the local church through what God has showed you through the local church, not just through the man. What's the word say? That keeps you safe. As a a person, a young person, a young adult, a student, somebody that God wants to use and God wants to, to, to operate through, You you don't want to just go to the person that makes over you and the person that wants to use your gift. You want to be used in the place that God has placed you so that you can be effective in the last day's move of God that God has called us to. Because there's any number of people out there that want young anointed men and women to help their ministry thrive and prosper, but they're not concerned about you making it, they're concerned about them making it. Amen. I've got nothing to prove to anybody. I've been pastoring this church going on 23 straight years we're successful, we're doing everything God wants us to do. I don't have an extra grind, and I don't have anything. I don't want anything anybody has. I don't want your stuff. I don't want your anointing. I don't want anything that you have. I want you to take everything I have, and after I go to glory, I want you to go farther than I ever could have. And it's yours. It's available. Amen. Notice 2 Timothy 2. Am I helping you? This is what's coming. Now Sunday nights are reserved for the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's it's more of a prophetic preaching anointing. I need you to see this. 2 Timothy 2, 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice that even after Timothy had been pastoring for some time, Paul says, teach other people what I taught you. If you're not careful, you'll want people to be impressed with what you know instead of consistently teaching them what works. Right? What you have learned is what you're supposed to teach. You know, if your parents raised you right and did a good job, you want to talk to them about how they did it and do it. Right? If they didn't, well, not so much. But, 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 but you can find somebody that did it right and follow them. Am I, am I, am I helping you? I remember sitting in the minister's conference very distinctly. I remember very distinctly sitting there many, 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 many years ago. And Pastor Caldwell was teaching on no no more limits, removing the limits. And I was sitting there in that minister's conference. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I want you to follow his faith. He said, this is a direct command. You do it and you do it now. I want you to follow his faith. And then he made this statement. And as I was and am with Happy Caldwell, I will be with you. I have my orders. Follow His faith. Are you with me? There are many that come to church and they'll say, you're my pastor, you're my spiritual father, you're my mentor, you helped change my life, whatever it may be, then you take what I've taught you and go teach it to other people. There's no. I'm going to get into this. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Ministry, whether you're older or younger, ministry is not about proving to people what you know. Ministry is about having the lives of people that you're preaching to change. Ministry is designed to affect change on the hearer, not to make you look deep, not to make you look like you know something that nobody else knows. Every time you stand behind the pulpit of the church, God has a plan to change People's lives. Amen. Amen. Not just to get preaching time. Notice this. There's no need to reinvent the wheel, just teach what you've been taught. What is that? Generational ministry. Generational ministry. And so we got little ones, Dave and Michelle's girls, Anthony and Tanya's grandsons and granddaughters, Ron and Deborah's baby, all these other little kids running around here, students. Amen. Pastor Michelle cried the other day. We were talking about uh, Gracie and and Jillian graduating. Boy, she started crying. Because we remember when Jillian was born. Jillian was the one that was being born, and I called her dad, because I needed him to come help me with something. I didn't know he was in the delivery room. And when I called, he answered the phone. And I, I didn't, you know, I just did what I was just said, hey, Tony, I, I need you to come help me. Are you available? And I heard him put the, phone, put, put the hand over, over the receiver. And he said, uh, well, it's pastor. He wants to know if I can come help him. He's in the delivery room. His daughter is being born. And I said, Tony, what's up? I said, I said, you know, something going on. He goes, well, we're here and Paul is having the baby. I said, man, hang up the phone. <laughs> so she was born in an atmosphere of submission. And, 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 and we almost saw Gracie born. She was here very young. She used to out her dad for drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> One time I was preaching, she was sitting on her dad's lap. Jim, this is her dad. Let's make sure they know. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I, I, I was talking to husbands and dads. And I said, if your idea of, of relaxation is just going home, sitting back in your lazy boy, smoking a cigarette and drinking a can of beer. And Gracie went. So, so my point is Pastor Michelle was crying because they're, they're, they're growing up, they're graduating, but here's the thing. They're God's mouthpiece. Everybody. There's students in here. I look out over the students, and I remember those services that you went to. I remember you going to the Southwest Believers Convention. I remember how God spoke to you. I remember God said, I've got an anointing and a calling for your life. I remember how you came home and told your parents, I'm going to dedicate my life to doing what God wants me to do. In the name of Jesus, don't forget that encounter with God. Don't forget what God promised that He would do through you. Your life is valuable to God and the anointing wants to Rest on you. Glory to God. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. It is not a biblical principle for the fathers to get out of the way and the young men and women just take over. Not a biblical principle. Some years ago in the early 80s, am I helping you all? There was a doctrine that went around called the Joshua generation. The Joshua generation. And the principle of it was this. They went from the scripture where God told Joshua, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now get up and take this people into the promised land. And they would say this. It's time for the Moses to get out of the way and let the Joshua generation come through. You know not one person, well let me say it this way, every person that I knew that taught that fell out of ministry, got in sin, got messed up, why? Remember when Rehoboam was the king after Solomon had died? And the people came to him, Judah and the tribes of Israel, and they came. And they said, look, we've worked very hard. Your father worked us all these years and we did it willingly. We need a break. Right? We need a break. And they said, if you'll give us a break, if you'll ease the burden on us, we'll be with you heart and soul. And it says that he went and talked to the old men. Watch. That had helped his father build the most prosperous nation in the world. And they said, here's what you do. Give them a break. And they'll be with you, heart and soul. You know what it says? And Rehoboam consulted with the young men that he was brought up with. Now hear, hear me when I say this. Nothing wrong with consulting with the young men. They had wisdom. They had knowledge. They had understanding. But here's what they said. They, their advice was completely opposite of what the old men said. And they said you tell them that you're going to make it harder on them. That 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 your little finger is going to be thicker than your father's body. And they did that. He did that. And it says all the tribes left him. Except Judah. Now why, 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 why is that important? That's not biblical. It's not biblical for the, the moms and dads just to get out of the way. We're the next generation. We're taking over. No, that's not biblical. Let me tell you what is biblical. There has to be a synergy. Synergy. S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. Synergy. And what it means is that you take two parts and you bring them together. And together, both of those parts are stronger than any one could be on their own. It's a Synergy. It's a working together. The youth movement is coming. The elders have to be ready to mentor, to lead, to guide, to impart whatever we, it's not just a ministry impartation. It's an impartation of wisdom where marriage is concerned. It's an impartation of wisdom where finances are concerned. And it is an impartation of an anointing to do what God's called you to do. The strength and vitality of the young men and women combined with the wisdom and patience of the older men and women. I remember one time Keith Moore told a story. They were, they, he, they were traveling with Brother Hagan, And they were traveling on a commercial airline. And something happened. They got a delay, which can happen. And uh, he said, a lot of them, the younger ministers, he included himself. He said, we were kind of complaining. And, and you know, man, it's already late. And we're tired. And we don't like being here. He said, you know, Brother Hagin just was sitting over there, just sitting there being patient. And he said, we were so busy complaining, we didn't hear when the flight was ready. And he said, Brother Hagin got on the, you know, on the on-ramp and turned around and said, you boys coming? He just was patient. You follow me? We need the strength and vitality Added to the wisdom and the patience. Look at 2 Timothy 3 verse 14. He says to Timothy the pastor. Continue in the things that you've learned. And have been assured of knowing of who you learned them. That from a child, you've known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Notice, continue in the things that you've learned and know who you learned them from. Know who you learned them from. The ministers in our churches should be learning from us and continuing in that. It's okay. When you preach certain things that you sound like your pastor, that you use their examples, that you say those things. Amen. There are people that that bothers them. I want to be known for who I am. What about Elisha? Is there a prophet that may, we may inquire by God? Well, there is Elisha, son of Shaphat. You know, he poured water on Elijah's hands. But yet, out of the same minister, or out of the same mouth, we'll talk about how Elisha, we don't know this. Really, we don't know. I mean, exactly if it was double. I mean, we don't know that all of Elijah's miracles were recorded. But we say that Elisha did twice as much as Elijah. Reckon where he got that anointing. I'll tell you where he got it, pouring water on his hands. I I ask ministers in, in minister's conferences all the time, they'll ask me to speak, and I'll say, what if the only thing people remembered you for was how you served your pastor? Would that be okay with you? That's how he got what he got. Because when the mantle fell, the young man, Elisha, was there to get it. There was 50 sons of the prophets that stood afar off and watched. They got nothing. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, regardless of what comes, you stay with what you've learned. You continue with what you've been taught. You stay with the word of faith. You stay with the message of faith. You stay with the vision of building faith and framing world. Raising up a spiritual production center, producing life, city, state, nation, and world. You stay with that. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Amen. While you stay... And, and because of what the Lord's talking to us about, I, I, I'm telling the, uh, young men and women, you stay with that vision and you'll stay safe. Why? Because that's where God brought you. God brings nobody to a church to get all the information and all the anointing and all the wisdom and all the ability and then go do my own thing. You might go out into your own ministry, but your allegiance and 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 your devotion and your dedication is at the place that God called you to. Amen. Amen. And then you're safe. If it's not, you're unsafe. You're unsafe to be in the pulpit. You're unsafe to disciple. You're unsafe to declare. Because where God has called you has to be of the utmost importance. This is what God... This is your ministry. God doesn't call you here to get an anointing to go do your own ministry. This is your ministry. You take ownership of this ministry. Amen. And God might send you somewhere and you might go do great things. And, and no doubt that you will. But this is where God called you and this is where your allegiance is. Not because of a person. Not because of a man or a woman. But because God brought you to that place. Changed your life there. Anointed you there. Your allegiance is there. Amen. Amen. It is a rebellious son or daughter that comes and receives the anointing at the hand of their spiritual mother and father and then goes and does their own thing and forsakes the well that they were dug out of. Rebellion. And it'll end in destruction. Why? Because the Bible says, don't forsake your mother and father. Now that has a spiritual connotation. Do you remember something? Uh, It's right here. Am I helping you tonight? Right here in chapter 4, verse 9. He's writing to Timothy. Do your diligence to come shortly to me. Why? For Demas has forsaken me. I preached a message years ago called, My name is not Demas. Demas... Has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. And he talks about how he's departed. And and others have left him. But notice. Here's Demas. When you read at the end of Colossians. Paul says Demas greets you. Demas traveled with Paul. Demas partook of Paul's anointing. He partook. But notice something. In 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 this crucial moment. He forsakes him. Do you notice this? And you know the interesting thing? Demas is never heard of again. We still have Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Never hear of him again. It's important. God will never use you more strongly than the place that he brought you to. Volume of ministry does not mean effective ministry. Just because you get to preach a lot doesn't mean you're effective. Just because people want you to come preach doesn't mean you're effective. I've known the anointing my whole life. Listen, at 16 years of age, I could preach grown men in the ground. It was just. It was. I was called to preach. Amen. And ministers would have me come preach because they wanted my anointing. I needed a pastor. I'm helping you. I needed a pastor. I needed someone to pull me aside and start funneling that power of God on my life. To help me develop the character of Christ in my life. And not just prostitute my gift. There are people out there when they find out you're anointed. Young, old, black, white, male, female. They find out you're anointed. They'll take your anointing. They'll use you up. They'll burn you out. And they'll leave you on the scrap heap of ministry. But when you come to a place where you're cared for and you come to a place where they care more about you than they do your... I don't need you to preach. I don't need you to preach for me. I'm a good preacher. What I need is for you to get in and use the anointing God's given you to develop what God wants to develop in our churches and minister when God gives you the opportunity to minister, minister out of your spirit, minister out of your God-given ability and see people's lives change. Amen. And if it's once a month or twice a month or three times a month or however it is, when I get there, I'm prepared. When I step in that pulpit, I've been fasting, I've been praying, I've been seeking God. I have the mind of God. Whether I'm a female or a male or young or old, I have the mind of God. I have decided there are things I want more than I want food. And I want God to use me. Amen. Amen. Shout out loud, I want God to use me. I'm almost done. I didn't mean to take this long. Oh my goodness, my stopwatch is going. <laughs> I don't know how to stop it right now, so hallelujah. Let me hurry. I'm almost done. So a youth movement's coming, and the elders would be right in the middle of it. That's the key. Every generation working together to impact our city, our state, our nation, and our world. Every generation working to produce a God consciousness in our cities. Every generation working together. That we've got, we've got young people at the junior high level, the elementary school level, the senior high level, the college level. We've got young people on their jobs, young people in their homes, and they're producing a God consciousness in their city. The goal of our churches is to produce a God consciousness in our city. When you begin to produce a God consciousness in, their, in your city, it changes the way people think. It's coming. It's coming, it's coming. We're gonna be ready. This is the key every generation working together to impact our city, our state, our nation, and our world. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! When uh, we were pastoring here five years. And I remember it distinctly on a Monday night intercessory prayer, we were praying, and I was laying under the piano we had at the time, just calling out to God, and he made a statement to me, and I've told you this story, I'm not going to belabor this part of it, but he said to me, he said, how long did I, well first of all he said to me, he said, "Uh, you were not my first choice for this ministry. He said you were third. Now, when we hear that, sometimes we can think, oh, man, you know, yeah, third. God had to go through two people to get to me. Well, you can think, you know, you can think that way that I was third in line. Wow, you know. Or you can think God had to get through two other people to get to me. And he told me, you remember, I gave them five years. They wouldn't do it. Will you do it, or do I need to get somebody else? And we signed up for it. Amen. There's a shift in our ministry. And I'll say this under the unction of the Holy Spirit. There's been some, when you see the shift, you get concerned about certain things. And a lot of times it's that, is my pastor going to be around? And is Pastor Michelle going to be around? Hear me, hear me. I'm going nowhere. We're going nowhere. We got a lot to do in this ministry. A lot to do. Amen. I am the father of this congregation. When the babies start coming, I'm going to be the main knee bouncer. Are you following me? But there's a shift. And there's a shift in the spirit realm. There's a shift in anointings. And we're moving more into this apostolic flow. And I don't say that clicheically. And I don't say that like a lot of people say. You've got to understand something. I'm satisfied satisfied being Brother Philip. I'm I'm more than satisfied being pastor. I don't need any other dog tag that you want to give me. But there's an apostolic flow that's beginning in this ministry. And we must walk into it. The Lord said to me not too long ago, He said, you have yet to live up to the potential of the anointing on your life. So we're moving into that. But guess what? We need you to do it. We need you to make that happen. We can know where we're going, but somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go.